guess it pays to open the psalm book. I was waiting for another verse. <laughs> you know, as preachers, uh, and there's quite a few preachers in our audience today, but as preachers, there's topics we love to preach on. I mean, when, when I preach on the resurrection and, and Jay or Chad or one of the other song leaders sing that song, Low in a Grave He Lay, and we get to that part, he arose. I am fired up. I mean, I want to preach. You know, I just want to spend two hours telling you about this great blessing. And so there's a lot of sermons like that. You know, you preach about the Ethiopian who, you know, realized his need for Christ. And, and he says, what hinders me from being baptized? You know, if I believe, thou mayest, you know. So there's a lot of those things in the Bible that are encouraging that preachers love to preach on. But on the other hand, there are those that we have to preach on. And we don't like to preach on them. It's not something that we lay awake night looking for opportunities to preach upon certain subjects. But if we're going to be the person, the preacher that God wants us to be, we have the obligation to preach the whole counsel of God. And this morning's one of those lessons. It deals with false teaching and false teachers. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord's Prayer that all who believe in him might be one as he and the Father is one. That every preacher, that every Christian believed exactly what the New Testament said. And we all believed the same thing. We had all the same mind and we had all the same judgment. But sadly, that's not the case. Sadly, there are those that teach doctrine contrary to the doctrine of Christ. There's a big difference between a mistaken preacher or a mistaken teacher and a false teacher. As I just mentioned, there's many preachers in the audience this morning. And I don't think one of us would, would be bold enough to say that we've never made a mistake in our preaching. We've never studied a passage and thought we understood what God was saying, and then we came and we understand it later more perfectly like Apollos. We've all had to make adjustments in, in what we've learned, what we've taught, and our understanding of the scripture. So we're not talking about someone that's mistaken here. We're talking about the thing that separates a false teacher from a mistaken teacher is an agenda. The false teacher always has an agenda. It may be pride. I don't want to look foolish in the eyes of those around me. It may be money. I've heard, sadly, I have heard of preachers that tell who the preaching committee or the elders that are about to hire them, if you want it preached hard, I'll preach it hard. If you want it preached soft, I'll preach it soft. In other words, it's all about the money. Give me the money and I'll do whatever you want. False teachers, as I said, pride, money, sometimes it's power. You think about Diotrephes and Third John who rule or ruin. I remember Brother Jackie Steersman saying in class years ago. That was what he was about. Either I get the power or I'm going to ruin everything around me. 
And so when we understand the things that we talk about this morning and the scriptures that we're going to look at, that we're talking about a person that's not just mistaken, but we're talking about a person that has an agenda and will not consider any evidence or anything, uh, information contrary to what they're teaching because of their pride, because of their greed, because of whatever their agenda may be, their lust for power. So with that said, we're going to look at some scriptures concerning false teachers. And if you got one of our new bulletins today, you have plenty of room to write them down. The first thing about false teachers is they have something in common. There's some common attributes about them. The first is they're subtle. I have yet in my 30 plus years of preaching and my 60 some years of living in this life ever saw a person come in the front door with a tattoo on their forehead that says, I'm a false teacher. They're subtle. Jesus said they were wolves in sheep's clothing. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening or ravenous wolves. In other words, they look real pleasant, they look real kind, they look real soft, they look real harmless on the outside, but inside they're like a ravenous wolf. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says that they operate secretly. They will bring in secretly destructive heresies. Jude says in verse 4 of Jude, For certain men have crept in unnoticed or unawares, some translations say. Brother G.K. Wallace used to say they go around teacupping. And Brother Jackie, I remember one time talking about that. He said the teachers, they'll go and they'll visit the ladies. They'll visit the widows. And they'll sit and have tea or coffee over them, maybe a few cookies, and just start spreading a little bit at a time this false doctrine, this false teaching. And until behind the scenes, those who are gullible, those who are unlearned, start accepting it. So there's the common attribute of subtlety. There's a common attribute that they're rebellious. In Jude verse 8, it says they reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. And I think in dignitaries there refers to heavenly beings. In other words, this realm of heaven where, where God reigns and, and those that worship him and serve him are, that these false teachers, they reject it and they speak evil. They care nothing about saying something about God. Well, God's really not like that. God really is loving, and you don't have to believe everything the Bible says. Also in verse uh, two of chapter, or verse 10 of chapter 2 of Peter, we read, they speak evil of dignitaries again. So there's a rebellious aspect to the false teacher. I want to be different. I want to show something. I don't want to fall into the norm. They're also arrogant. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 through 5, 
Paul's writing to Timothy says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. He's arrogant. If someone will not consent to the gospel, will not follow the gospel, will not teach the pure gospel, that person is arrogant. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 and verse 18, they're presumptuous, Peter says. They're great swelling words of emptiness. Man, if we wanted to, we could just go through a whole list of televangelists, wouldn't we? They make you feel good. But that's all they do. They make you feel good for a moment. They're arrogant. They're proud. They're presumptuous. They're self-seeking. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, we read, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine of Christ, which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple or the unlearned. In Jude verse 1 or Jude verse 12, they seek followers. In Acts chapter 20 or Jude uh, verse 12 there, it says they are spot in their loves and your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 29 and 30, Paul speaking to the uh, elders from Ephesus, he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come from among you, not sparing the flock. Also from yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. And so here's Paul saying a leadership, instead of making disciples of Christ, they're going to teach that which is there, and so people become followers of them and their heir rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it says their hearts, in verse 14, their hearts are covetous. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13 through 15, Paul writes, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder... He says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of life. So it is therefore no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. In other words, Paul was saying, false teachers are servants of Satan. See, those are the common attributes of a false teacher. They're subtle, they're rebellious, they're arrogant, they're self-seeking, and they serve Satan. How do they work? They try to divide. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, bringing in destructive heresies. The word heresy is division. They try to divide. Let's divide the faithful brethren from those that we can influence, those who we can turn their mind away from the gospel of Christ. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, we read again about those that cause division and con offenses contrary to the gospel of Christ. They cause constant friction among the brethren. Have you ever been to a congregation where there are false teachers or false teaching is promoted? It is a congregation of nothing. If I can borrow a 
phrase that's used today of drama. There's always drama involved. Somebody's upset with someone. There's always that tension involved. And people that want to worship God, faithful to Christians that want to worship God, they walk in the door and the first thing they can feel is their blood pressure going up. There is nothing worse, and I can tell you this from personal experience, there is nothing worse than detention, or dissension and contention in the body of Christ. You go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning thinking about it. And every moment that you're not focused upon something else, that comes into your mind and it weighs heavily on your heart. And false teachers, they try to divide. They cause constant friction. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 through 5 again. Peter says, if anyone teaches, or Paul says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which accords to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wrangling of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. False teachers like to divide the group. Bring in drama. Bring in contention. Bring in division. They distort the gospel in Galatians 1, verse 6 through 9. Paul says, I marvel to the Galatians. I marvel that you are so soon turning away from him who called you into the grace of the gospel of Jesus to a different gospel, which is not another. And then Paul goes on to say, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he says, but even if we, we an apostle." Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you. Let him be accursed. And then Paul repeats it. As we have said before, let us now say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. False teachers distort the gospel. They seek to please some men and exploit others. In 2 Peter chapter 2 Verse 3, by covetousness, Peter says, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not somber. And if you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And notice beginning in verse 3. In verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In other words, false teachers seek those that are receptive to their tickling and deceptive words. And they preach worldliness. 
Second Peter chapter 2, verse 17, Peter says, They are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those things who live in air. And if you're familiar with 2 Peter chapter 2, he goes down and talks about those that are, are, are compromised or those that embrace that false teaching. They're like a sow that returns to a mire or a dog that returns to its own vomit. That's what false teachers do. They preach worldliness. And so the methodology of false teachers, they try to divide, they cause, try to cause uh, constant friction among the brethren. They distort the gospel, they seek to please some men, and they preach worldliness. And you know what the outcome of it? For those who follow the false teacher, there's an embracing of ungodliness. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread by, like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are this sort, Paul wrote, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is past, and they have overthrown the faith of some. I was talking to a denominational preacher one time. And I said to him, it's obvious that you teach one thing and I teach something differently. You say that a man is saved by this way. I say that a man must do this to be saved. One of us can't be right. Either we're both wrong or one of us may be right. But we both can't be right because we're teaching something differently about one subject. Here was his response. I asked him, well, what will happen to all those people? He says, God will judge you and I for what we teach, but he'll show grace to those that are mistaken. Let me read what Paul said again. Saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Seems to me I read where faith is essential to salvation. In other words, what Paul's saying, these false teachers overthrow Hymenaeus and Philetus. They overthrew the faith. They caused some to lose their faith. And if they lost their faith, the Bible says, still says, by grace we are saved through faith. It still says that. And if I don't have faith, I don't have grace. I don't have salvation. They caused some to embrace ungodliness. Their faith is overthrown, as we just said. They are drawn back into the bondage of sin. 2 Peter 2, just 18 and 19. While they promise liberty, these false teachers, they themselves are slaves of corruption, and by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by self to spy out our liberty, liberty which we have in Christ, Jesus Christ, that they might bring us into bondage. For those who follow false teachers, the consequences are an embracing of ungodliness. Our faith is overthrown and we're drawn back into the bondage of sin. God holds us responsible. 
For the false teacher, Peter says in 2 Peter 2, verse 1, there is swift destruction. For there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false prophets among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bringing on themselves swift destruction. God will not, God does not tolerate false teaching. And the end of a false teacher is not good. They are a curse, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, 9 through 9 again. And if we, or an angel from heaven, teach any other gospel unto you, let him be accursed. If we, or an angel from heaven, or any person, teach any other gospel unto you than what we have given you, let him be accursed. Isn't that what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9? False teachers, if they do not repent, are accursed. And false teachers lose their relationship with God. Turn to me with, to 2 John and notice verses 7 through 11. 2 John 7 through 11. Second John verse 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an and, and antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now notice what he says. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your home, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So if I support someone that is not bringing the doctrine of Jesus Christ, if I support someone that is not teaching, not upholding the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I become a partaker of his evil deeds. Well, what if two people are, are teaching the same thing? Can I support one and not support another? Of course not. I can't support either one of them. What if it's three people? I can't, still can't support. What if that three people is an eldership? Does that change it? What if the congregation follows that eldership? Does that change it? If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor give him, greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. See, I can end up in the same state in the same consequences that a false teacher has by supporting that false teacher or that group who is teaching falsely. They lose their relationship with God. So what should be the response of a, the faithful regarding the unrepentant false teachers? Rebuke them sharply. Titus chapter 1 verse 10 through 13 for there are many unsubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, 
households teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, Paul says, rebuke them sharply like that they may be sound in the faith. We're not talking about the mistaken person here. We're talking about the person when they're presented with the truth and they're presented with it in a lovely, logical, sound, enough evidence and still reject it because of their agenda. We're to rebuke them sharply. We're to reject and turn away from them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, from such people turn away. And Titus 3, verse 10 and 11, reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-contained. We are to mark and avoid them, Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord. Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. And we are to withdraw ourselves from them. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Again, Paul enters, uh, ends verse 5 there, from such withdraw yourselves. So what's the, how, do we, uh, how do we respond to the, uh, how do the faithful respond to the unrepentant false teacher? We rebuke them sharply, we reject and turn away from them, we mark and avoid them, and we withdraw ourselves from them. Here's the thing. We have to. This is just as, these are just as much commands as repent and be baptized. And then the last thing, and the lesson will be yours. How do we protect ourselves from false teachers? Study and know the Bible. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Peter chapter two or 3, verse 18 there, Peter says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The last written words of, Jesus, of Peter, Grow in the grace and knowledge. We, if we know the Bible, I remember Brother Jackie again, saying in class, we'll never anticipate all the crazy doctrines that the world and our brethren will come up with. But if we know the truth, if we know the truth, we can refute all the crazy doctrines that the world and our brethren come up with. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. 
John chapter 8 and verse 32. An astonishing and a horrible thing has been committed in the land. God inspired Jeremiah to write. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? We're not going to be that people. We're going to stick with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And the leadership here is going to mark and avoid and rebuke and reject and withdraw from all. Even if it's a leadership in another congregation. From all who pervert and teach contrary to the doctrine of Christ and cause others to accept their pernicious ways. False teachers were the curse of Jeremiah. If you have some time, read the book of Jeremiah and just see what he had to deal with because of false teachers. And they're a curse for us today. We must be sure that there's a thus saith the Lord for all that we do in service to Christ our King. Which brings us about to Christ our King. How do I come into service with Christ my King? Do I just, like some say, ask him to come into my heart? Or as some say, you know, just accept him as my personal Savior? You know, that would be nice. And that would be very comforting to just, you know, if, if I can remember one time before I was a member of the body of Christ and I was a young guy and, you know, I was going to different church, um, different religious groups. And, and, you know, and I can remember the preacher said, just raise your hand, just keep your eyes shut and raise your hand. And, and there were people that were doing that because it must have been because I oh you're saved now. Jesus has washed away your sins. And that would be wonderful. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I just say, everybody shut your eyes. And if you're not a Christian, you, you know that you're not be saved, you just raise your hand and you can be assured. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that faith is essential to our salvation. I have to know some things. Faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. I've got to know something about who Jesus is, what he's about what his body is, what his kingdom is. I have to know some things. And when I know those things, if I truly believe, not, believe them, I'm going to act accordingly. And the Bible calls that repentance. I changed my mind. I changed from doing what the world or Satan would have me to do to now I'm going to do what Christ wants me to do. Some think I just stopped doing what the world wants me to do or Satan wants. That's only halfway. You've got to go the whole way. I want to do what Christ wants me to do. And Christ says when we have faith, this is what you do. You're baptized. Peter said, and he defined it clearly in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when the Jewish people that were there on that first Pentecost, after the resurrection of Christ, just realized because of the argument, the evidence Peter had just given them, that they had just murdered their Messiah. And they're like, whoa, what do we do? Peter says, let each one of you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. We'd like to help you to do that this morning if you haven't. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you truly believe he is the King of Kings, if you truly believe he is your only hope, 
and you're willing to give your life to him and you're willing to confess to others that I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And if you're willing to demonstrate that initially, that faith initially by being immersed in water to arise and walk in newness of life, we'd like to help you. And if there's more that you'd like to learn, we'd like to share the faith of Christ with you, the gospel with you. Maybe you're already a New Testament Christian. And we think about those verses, study or give diligence to show thyself approved. Show yourself approved. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You've been sitting there for two years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. And you did not know those verses that Forrest passed out on Wednesday. If you don't know those most basic ones, how would you recognize a false teacher? How would you even know if I was a false teacher or not a false teacher? If we don't know the Bible, your faith, Your salvation is in your hands. Examine thyself to see whether or not you're in the faith. I seem to remember Paul, by inspiration, writing something like that. But if you don't know the Bible, and you're not putting the effort into it, you're letting someone else spoon feed you, how do you know? How can you be like John that says, I know I have eternal life. I know that I do because of what the scriptures say. And I'm aware of those scriptures, and you can know that too. So if you've not been fulfilling your obligation and what should be your your desire to know what God wants you to do, to know his word, we urge you to repent of that. Repent of it right now. And I mean seriously repent. Not one of these, I'm sorry, I'm going to do better. No. You're going to do better because your soul depends upon it. If we can help in any way, won't you come as we sing this song of encouragement?